This episode of The Incubator is proudly sponsored by Kiesi. <laughs> I'm going to start. I'm going to start off with a with a uh, with a nice paper um, that is going to be a great starter for us today. It's it was published in the Journal of Pediatrics. Uh, first author is Miren Dudazia, and the t- the title of the article is Diagnostic Performance and Patient Outcomes with C-Reactive Protein Use in Early Onset Sepsis Evaluations. So, starting off the year again, giving CRP closer look again. Um, The reason I picked this article is really because um, it doesn't seem like, no matter what we say about CRP, it doesn't seem to go away. Uh, And and it's always there. And and so I think this was interesting in the context of early onset sepsis. Um, And so that's why I picked this this paper. So the background is interesting and and it sets up some, 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 I think, some ground rules. Uh, Number one, they're saying that the clinical utility of a test can be measured using two approaches, right? It's diagnostic performance and the impact it has on patient outcomes. And in the case of early onset sepsis, the gold standard is really the blood slash CSF culture with or without additional clinical findings of infection. So the questions that the authors are posing is, what is the clinical utility of CRP in the diagnosis of early onset sepsis? Using two separate approaches, they wanted to look at this from measuring the diagnostic performance and the impact it has on patient outcomes uh, with and without routine use, as they've defined in the background. So they conducted a retrospective cohort study of all infants that were uh, admitted uh, between day zero and day three of life, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be really early onset sepsis. Um, To two NICUs in the University of Pennsylvania health uh, system. And they divided basically the two periods into period A and period B. Period A starts from 2009 to 2014. And the reason that period is picked is because that's when routine CRP use was done for evaluation of early onset sepsis. Then they sort of transitioned to the uh, early onset sepsis risk calculator. So there's like a buffer period that they've sort of removed. And then you enter period B, which is 2018 to 2020. And that is uh, when really CRP was not routinely used. They collected a ton of data through this retrospective, uh, their retrospective uh, uh, nature and, and through the EMR. So you can, you can get, go through the paper for that information. Um, the definition of early onset sepsis was defined as the isolation of some organism from the blood and or CSF before three days of life. They defined the use of prolonged antibiotics as pr- antibiotics administered for more than two days uh, in the absence of pathogen isolation from the blood or CSF. So almost like culture negative kind of sepsis situation. Uh, CRP cutoff values. I think that's obviously something that we're all interested in. Uh, they use the CRP of 10 or more for the main analysis of diagnostic performance, but they also ran uh, an, an analyzed diagnostic performance metric for other threshold between 5 and 15. So uh, they looked at if CRP were, were around the 10, and, but they never went below 5. So I think that's also something that's important to, uh, to note. So what were some of the relevant patient outcomes that they defined? So they did looked at the proportions of NICU infants on whom cultures were done both before three days of life and after four days of life. They looked at the rates of positive blood or CSF cultures. They looked at the time from birth to obtaining the blood culture and, it- and antibiotic administration among those culture-confirmed cases, uh, the rate of antibiotic initiation, the duration of antibiotic use uh, in the absence of positive cultures, 
the length of stay, the transfer to a higher level of care, and all-cause mortality um, overall and in the first seven days after birth. So far, so good? All right, I get nods. Um, <laughs> uh, so what were some of the results? From uh, 2009 to 2014, 10,000 uh, and something infants were admitted uh, to the study NICUs with a median gestational age of 37 weeks and a birth weight average of 2,800 grams. A total of 74.5% of infants had at least one blood culture obtained on between day zero to three after birth. And of them, only 14% also had a CSF culture. So I think one of you guys is going to talk to us about uh, meningitis, and, uh, and, but I thought, I thought that was an That's interesting right. study. Um, among infants with a blood culture obtained on day zero to three, 41, which is 0.5%, were diagnosed with early onset sepsis. So it's still, it's still pretty low. And the most common organism is GBS, 39%, and E. coli, 39%. Um, Dr. Karen Popolo is on this uh, paper as well, and she's extensively published on their data. So anyway, so I'm sure you can find that in some of these articles that she published with uh, Dustin in pediatrics as well. Uh, there were no infants. That was something that I'm sure, Daphna, you're going to appreciate. There were no infants with a positive CSF cultures in the absence of a positive blood culture. That's so interesting, given the article that I guess I'll present after this one. But Right. I mean, you could you could wonder... Um, yeah, I don't remember reading in the article whether they only did CS. I mean, I don't remember exactly what was the trigger to do a CSF culture. So mm -hmm. if the trigger to do a CSF mm -hmm. culture was a positive right. blood culture, then maybe, maybe then it's not maybe. so surprising. Right. <laughs> um, the diagnostic performance of CRP. So how did it do? A total of 9,000 and something infants had one or more CRP obtained between day zero and three. And of them, 23% had at least one value above 10 or equal to 10. Among these, um, among 7,500 something infants with a blood culture on day zero to three, 98.6% also had a CRP obtained at that time. And that's going to be the population that's going to be interesting to us where we have both to compare. With increasing duration between time when blood culture and CRP were obtained, the sensitivity of CRP increased while specificity decreased. So let's do a little bit of bore review since it's the beginning of the year, right? So sensitivity and specificity. I mean, I don't know how you guys remember that. I usually use the spin and snout situation. Yeah. So the sensitivity means you're going to have a test that's going to uh, include, that's going to flag a lot of kids as potential sepsis, right? And and it's going to be very rough and tough. There's not going to be, it's not going to be, it's going to capture all of them, but it's also going to capture a ton of kids who don't have sepsis. And spin is going to be something that rules in the disease. So spin meaning you're not going to catch a lot of them, but the ones you do catch, you're going to be pretty certain that they have sepsis. So that's if you needed a refresher on sensitivity versus specificity. So let's read that again. Um, when you extend the duration between the time when the blood culture and the CRP uh, were obtained, so like you, you, you don't draw the CRP as uh, the sensitivity of CRP increases while the specificity decreased. Further, CRP obtained four to 24 hours after blood culture had the highest area under the curve on the receiving operating characteristic curve. Alternate thresholds of CRP demonstrated similar pattern with the highest sensitivity at low cutoffs, farther from time of blood culture, and highest specificity for high cutoff, closer to the time of blood culture, which is not really surprising. And if you go through some of these uh, table, 
you can see that, for example, um, when you're looking at CRP within four hours from the blood culture, um, the sensitivity is like 41%. The specificity is 89.9%. Um, and the, the positive predictive value is like 2.3%. So not great. When you go to four to 24 hours, it's like 80% sensitive, 76% specific. And then 24 to 72, it's 89% sensitive and the specificity goes down to 55. And then they have these tables where they go at like, if it's five, if it's seven, if it's 10, if it's 15. And the same thing really happens, which is that um, as you have a lower threshold, so if you have a CRP of five, then your sensitivity is high. So for example, if you look at a CRP collected within, I'm going to give you the example in table three, I'm going to go through the first uh, the first row so that we can just go through an example. But like, let's say you talk about, I'm getting a CRP within four hours from the blood culture being drawn, assuming that's sort of done around the time of birth because you're doing your early sepsis evaluation. Fine. If the CRP is five or more, then the sensitivity is 50% and the specificity is 85%. And as the, the CRP increases, so like, let's say from you go from five, then you go to 10, then the sensitivity drops from 50 to 41%, but your specificity increases from 85 to 89. And then if you look for a CRP above 15, then your sensitivity is now 29%, but your specificity is now 92%. And that sort of holds true. And it's not really surprising considering what CRP is meant to do <clears throat> um, for other time points as well. So the... Um, Clinical management of infants without early onset sepsis. So of all these kids that had the CRP, what, how did that um, help or not help the uh, investigators? So of the 7,500 infants without early onset sepsis, 98.7% of them had a CRP obtained on day 0 to 3. And of these, 26% had a CRP of 10 or more, which is, right, which is really concerning because then mm -hmm. what are you supposed to do, right? Um, and what they were describing is that the infants with a CRP of 10 or more were more frequently males born via vaginal delivery at higher gestational ages and with higher birth weights. They were also, and that's the kicker, more likely to be started on empiric antibiotics, received prolonged antibiotics despite negative blood or CSF cultures, right? Because now you don't just give them two days because you give them more because you're like, oh, the CRP was 12. And in truth, they don't have early onset sepsis. They received uh, antibiotics other than penicillin, ampicillin, and gentamicin. Um, they were more likely to have a CSF culture obtained on day zero to three or four to seven days of life and have longer hospital length of stay. And so the last piece of the results, which is interesting, is when they compare, when they moved on to the EOS risk calculator, they found that comparing the two periods among culture-confirmed infection cases, the time from birth to when blood culture was collected and empiric antibiotics initiated was not different between the two periods. There was also no difference in the hospital length of stay between the two periods overall or among term and preterm infants considered separately. The proportions of infants who died or were transferred for higher level of care in the first week after birth and the proportion of infants who died at any time during the hospitalization was also not different between the two periods. So really, them moving away from doing CRP in the early, on, early onset sepsis scenario really did not impact very much. And they sort of mentioned that in their conclusion when they say that in this uh, pre-post cohort analysis, initial CRP testing for early onset sepsis evaluation was not sufficiently sensitive to support decisions to withhold antibiotic treatment. Right. And it's, and I think that's so interesting because you want something that helps you not start antibiotics because you could always find, I, I was, you know, you're thinking about the CRP to start antibiotics, but then you realize 
I have all the reasons in the world to start antibiotics. I could pin it on some grunting, on some anything, but you want something that helps you uh, uh, not start antibiotics. Although later CRP measurements were more sensitive, they were too nonspecific to support decisions to continue treatment. And what we just spoke about, this continuation of routine CRP use during EOS evaluation was not associated with changes in rate of in rate or promptness of EOS detection or management. Um, and then the last piece I wrote or I copied from their paper was that they said discontinuation of routine CRP use was not associated with more serious adverse outcome despite an associated reduction in rates of antibiotics use. The uh, Using the aforementioned method to test the utility determination, we did not identify a clear advantage of using CRP in EOS evaluation. So it may be 2023, but EOS and CRP is not in vogue still. Sorry, CRP. <laughs> CRP is such a yeah. tough one, though. It's always like, a, you know, you try to get rid of it and it always comes back in some fashion or form. We do love our CRPs. <laughs> well, I think I think we're all desperate for something, quote unquote, better than our clinical observation <laughs> and our, uh, our, um, our, what's the word? risk stratification, right? But We're you looking struggle for with the cutoffs, data. right? Yeah. Like they said, yeah. okay, 10, but five to 15. And when you have get so wide, it's like, what does that mean? Like in terms of what it corresponds to clinically or, or what that means. And I think that's, it's, it's very hard. Everybody likes a safety net, but it's really hard to sort of correlate what that means in terms of how to interpret. They were smart enough not to get into the weeds of like trending the CRP because right. we've, we've all done. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because I, I mean, I think that's what I thought was especially salient was when it was most reliable. And that's like, you know, almost you know 12 to 24 hours after um, obtaining blood culture for whatever reason that you felt strongly enough to obtain the blood culture. So that's the certainly yeah. using CRP to rule out infection. Um, that's a no yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing that was <laughs> yeah. that was so impressive is that there's no number where you say, well, above that number or below that number, I have a definite piece of information. Yeah. You never have anything tangible to go on. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. This podcast is intended to be purely for entertainment and informational purposes and should not be construed as medical advice. If you have any medical concerns, please see your primary care professional. Thank you.